I want you to take your Bibles this morning and open them up to two passages. I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1 and then 2 Timothy chapter 3. I hope you have your Bible and I hope you'll open it to those two passages. There'll be a lot of other verses that I use, but those are the main ones that I want you to get a, to be able to look at with your eyes as well as listen with your heart. Sometimes you wonder, well, what, what, what's going on in a person's life and what, what's, a, what's a desire or the uh, passion of their heart, regardless of what it might be? What's the focus? Well, this message this morning that I'm going to share is where I am as far as my focus is concerned, my desire is concerned, uh, where I feel the Spirit of God is pushing me and leading me and directing me. If you say, well, I really wonder what's on our pastor's heart. Well, I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you this morning what's on my heart. I believe it's on your heart. I believe you'll receive it. I really do. I, I think we just need to, to be made aware. You know, um, I want to ask you a question. Now, now listen to the way I ask it very carefully. The question is this. What times is it? You say, oh, th- that's, that's an easy question, Brother Fred. You, you just asked me what time it is. No, I didn't. That's not what I asked you. I didn't say what time is it. I said, what times is it? In other words, what are the times in which we're living? Do we understand the days in which we are living? Do we understand what is going on in society, in our culture? And I'm speaking basically in America where we live, in Mobile, Alabama, do we really understand the times? Or do we have our heads stuck in the sand and say, it, it's always been this way, everything will be fine? Or do we somehow just uh, get into a state of denial and say, well, you know, I know it's bad, but there's nothing I can do about it. And, and somehow we just don't allow the times in which we're living, sober us up and cause us to get serious about the things of God. Did you know Jesus rebuked the people of his day because they did not discern the time in which they were living? Oh, yeah. He he just basically said, you don't even know what's going on around you. You don't know what's happening right in your Right, right, right before your eyes. Listen to what he said. This is Luke chapter 12, verse 40, uh, 54. Now just listen. Then he said to the multitudes, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, A shower is coming. And it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There's going to be Hot weather, and it is. He said, hypocrites, you discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it that you do not discern the time? 
you, you know when it's going to rain. Say, look, it's going to rain. And you know when it's going to be hot. You have discernment about the weather. He said, but let me, he said, hypocrite, why is it that you don't know the time, the times in which you're living? And, and I really believe that that is true, not uh, for sure of the population in general. But I'm absolutely convinced it's true of most of the religious world. They just do not understand the times in which we're living. Well, I wanna, I'm going to answer the question about what are, what are the times, what times is it? I'm going to answer that. But first of all, I want to tell you what I believe God's Word is for us today, individually, and as a church. Now, and I think this is for everyone here. We need to discern the times. And we are. We're going to ask God to show us. But we need to say, well, what is God's word to us in the times in which we're living? I can say it in one sentence, and then I'll explain it. It is time for every child of God. It is time for us to seek God's face. It is time for us to seek God's face. You know, that's a very strong biblical term. The Bible speaks over and over again about God's people seeking God's face. I mean, I, I just got to looking at the verses, and, and I came across that verse in Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Listen to what it says. So, so for yourselves righteousness. So, so righteousness. Reap in mercy. Then he says, break up your fallow ground. You know, there's some hard places in your life. There are places that used to be tender. Places that used to be sensitive. You know, but he says, I want you to break up the fallow ground. Now listen, it is time to seek the Lord. That's so clear. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon us. Man, that, that's God's word for you personally, whatever your circumstances are, and for us as a church and for the body of Christ. I mean, it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rains righteousness on us. It's time to seek God's face. How many times have we quoted 2 Chronicles seven fourteen? One of our favorite verses, but somehow it, it, it hadn't gripped our hearts. You, you know what Second Chronicles seven fourteen says? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. He said, if my people will seek my face. It is time for us to seek God's face. Man, I love this passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 55. Listen to what it says. You see, I, I'm going to talk to you about the times we're living in. I know, what to, I know what the times are. The Bible tells us. 
But what we've got to understand in these times, it is time for us to seek God's face, individually and as a church, and as a body of Christ. Isaiah 55, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Man, he said, it's time to seek the Lord. He'll have mercy upon you. He'll pardon you. He said, for his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. See, the, the, the message today in the times that we live in, it, it is time to seek God's face. I want you to listen to Psalm 27. Boy, it talks about how it's time to seek God's face. It was amazing to me as I just looked at time after time where the Scripture said, in Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. God, you told me to seek your face, and I answered and said to you, Lord, your face, I will seek. And then he said, don't hide your face from me. Don't hide your face from me. In the times in which we're living, it's time to seek the face of God. And you go over to Psalm 80. I want you to listen at this. Three times, three times in the 80th Psalm, listen to what he says. Verse 3. You know, we've heard that verse. Turn us again, O Lord, and cause your face to shine upon us. That's a picture, God. Turn us around and cause your face to shine upon us. Three times in Psalm 80 it says, Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine, and we will be saved. That's Psalm 80, verse 3. Then you go down to verse 7, and he says it again. Restore us, O God of hosts. Cause your face to shine upon us, and we will be saved. And then the third time in Psalm 80, he says it again in verse 19. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Cause your face to shine upon us, and we shall be saved. Then again, the Word of God. You see, God wants us to seek His face. In these times, He says, now, there's an answer. I want you to seek my face. In Psalm 105, verse 4, I want you to listen to what it said. It says, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek his face. It says in verse 3, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Listen to this. Seek his face evermore. What time is it? I know this much. It is time for us individually and as a church to seek God's face. Now, I'll show you what that means in a moment. But now, you got your Bible open to 2 Timothy 3, all right? I, I want to tell you what time it is. I want to show you the times in which we're living. Now, if you're honest, if you're absolutely honest and are, are not in denial, 
And you're willing to be absolutely truthful about what you see. What I'm about to read will describe you where we are right now in, this, in, in, in Mobile, Alabama, in America. And that's my context of this message. I mean, I read it and I said, uh, well, Lord, boy, you, you know, this is exactly where we are. Now you listen and see if this is where we are. 2 Timothy 3.1. Know this. Well, what do you want us to know, Lord? Jesus said, you can tell it when it's going to rain and you can tell when it's going to be hot, but you don't have a clue about what's going on in the world around you. But th- know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Ooh. Per- dangerous, distressful. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then he describes it. For men will be lovers of themselves. They just love themselves. Lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemers. The other day I got a text from an individual. They were having to go to a company party. And the individual knew that they'd be all, most of them would be drunk. Well, they texted me in the midst of the party and said, all they're doing is cursing God's name. All they're doing is taking God's name in vain. And you know my reply? It amazed me what God told me to say. They don't realize him. They don't realize it. But they're cursing the God that loves them. It would have been one thing if they'd been cursing the devil. But every time they took God's name in vain, they were cursing the God that loved them so much, he sent his only son to die on the cross in their place. But they're cursing him. It says, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving. You know, one of the real problems that you face in the business world today and in, in society is when, when people get hurt, when they get offended, whether it's real or not, they get bitter. And they allow that bitter to fest, bitterness to fester. And one day they decide, you know, those people, they did me wrong. And they go down there with a gun and walk into the place where they worked and shoot six or seven people just saying, you did me wrong, and I'm going to get even. It's a danger all the time. Unloving, it says here, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, Lord have mercy, brutal, despisers of what is good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, religious, but denying the power 
thereof. Then down in verse 7, it says, ever learning, getting smarter and smarter and smarter, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We got more knowledge, and it ain't necessarily bad knowledge. I'm not sure about the internet and the cell phone. I believe we'd probably be better off without them. But I'm not, you know, I'm just saying we got more knowledge. We're ever learning. But you know what? We don't ever come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, you know, you know that describes the day in which we live. It's like you pick up the newspaper this morning. I mean, that's the world we're living in right now. There are three things that grabbed me. Lovers of themselves. And you know, and the rest of those things just talk about people, man, they're in love with themselves. It's all about them. It's all about their fun and, and their pleasure and their gratification. And it really doesn't matter who they step on or how they get there. You see, they're lovers of themselves. The whole world exists for them. And people are not to be loved, they're to be used. To help me become what I want to become. He said men are going to be lovers of themselves. It says they're going to be proud. Arrogant. They're going to despise what is good. You know, people are just in love with themselves. Well, I'll tell you what. I know I'm married to her. But she doesn't make me happy. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, it's all about me. I love myself, so I'm out of here. Or she says, well, you know, hey, I'm the only one that counts. I love myself. He, he, he's never going to be able to meet the needs. I'm out of here. Because you know what? They're lovers of themselves. And then he went on to say, in the last days, lovers of money. America almost was shipwrecked because of the love of money. And we still may be shipwrecked because all the bailouts and all the bailouts and all the bailouts one day may going to be bailed up. I don't, I don't know, but I'm just telling you, we, I think we put a Band-Aid on a cancer. You know what the problem is? It's called Greed. It was, the, it was the greed in the, big, the big banks. The greed in the big banks and the greed on Wall Street. It was greed. It was the love of money that almost caused this country to go down the drain. The Bernie Madoffs who ripped off their friends of billions of dollars with Ponzi schemes. And the fraud and the corruption that goes on even now in every form of, of American life. I am telling you, the curse of this nation is the love of money because it's the greed that is destroying the foundation of this country. See, this is where, these are the times. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. You know, the drug traffic, drugs, people think it's all about taking drugs. No, it's all about making money. <laughs> oh, no, it's all about making money. They get you hooked and then, they get your money. It, it's all about making money. Pornography, billions of dollars, billions, more, more than all the sporting events uh, uh, combined. It's called money. It's called the love of money. You know, the Bible never said that money was wrong. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 6, it said, The love of money, are you listening, is the root of all evil. But do you understand the times we're living in? Lovers of themselves. Lovers, they'll do anything for money. They'll lie, steep, chill. I mean, they'll just do anything. It's about money. You better not leave your purse and your basket in the grocery store. Somebody's going to get it and run out of there with it. But then notice the third thing it said in that passage. I'm talking about the times. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Lovers of pleasure. More than lovers of God. Whoo. The God of America is not just money. It's pleasure. It's pleasure. You know, pleasure in itself is not wrong. Just as money in itself is not wrong. But when you love money more than you love God, it's wrong. (laughs) When you love pleasure more than you love God, it's wicked. And the people that worship at the altar of pleasure... Anything that will give them pleasure. I mean, I love sporting events. I love them. But, you know, a lot of people, if they have to choose between God and the sporting event, they're going to choose a sporting event. You know that, and I know that. No, they will. If, if, if there's a choice between pleasure and God, thanks, Lord. Call you when I need you. They're going to go with the pleasure. Now, these are the times in which we're living. And I'm telling you, there, there are a couple other things I've got to mention. They're lovers of religion. <laughs> it says they have a form of godliness. Well, that's, I like my church. We have this ritual and that ceremony and that rite, and it has none of God's life and none of God's power. But, oh, I tell you, I love my church. It may be as wrong as anything can be, may be full of junk, but, oh, I just love my church. And, 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 and it says over here, in, in the fourth chapter about talking lovers of religion, having a form of godliness, but no power. And then it goes over and says in verse 3 of chapter 4, the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because of the itching ears, they will heap up to the, themselves teachers. They turn away from the truth and give their hearts unto fables. They say, give me a church that tells me what I want to hear. They're lovers of religion. But I'm going to tell you the answer to it. Are you listening to me? It's to to seek God's face. I I know it's it's, it's a mess, I'm telling you. But it's time to seek God's face. Because I'm going to tell you right now. The answer to these perilous times is not found in, in government. Now, I say you one I say this with all my heart. We need to elect righteous, godly people to office. Amen. We're not going to debate that. The only problem is they lie. They don't you don't what you don't really know whether they're Christian or not. They'll say anything to get elected. Most of them. You say, well, you're picking on politicians. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. All I'm saying is I'm all for righteous and godly leaders, but our salvation is not going to come out of Washington. We've been waiting on that since Ronald Reagan. It ain't coming, okay? It ain't coming out of Washington, y'all. I'm telling you now. 
Do, do you want the presidential election to come out right? I sure do. If you want to know how what I mean think right is, ask me. I'll be glad to tell you. But I ain't going to tell you now. Because the people that say, well, see there, you're using the pulpit. Oh, anyway, I don't want to go there. We've got to seek God's face. It's desperate. We're desperate. It's desperate times. We've got to seek God's face. Now, I want to show you. that This, this is the heart of my message. I've got to show you how that one man, one man who's desperate, one man with a broken heart, one man who grabs hold of God and will not let go, how that one man can change the complexion of an entire group of people. Look at the first chapter of the book of Nehemiah. Would you do that? And I want to show you, and, and, and this is it. And if you get this, you'll understand why I'm asking you to, to, to set your face to seek God. It is time to seek God's face. In Nehemiah chapter 1, now listen to verse 3. It says, Nehemiah asked some people, what is the condition, now stay with me, of God's people? They had been scattered, the Jews had been scattered around the world. They had come back out of captivity to Jerusalem. Here's Nehemiah, he says, now, by the way, how are my brothers, the Jews, doing in Jerusalem? And how's the city? All right, listen to what it says. Verse 3 of Nehemiah 1. They said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are in great distress. Those who came out of the captivity and are back in Jerusalem, they are in great distress. And it goes on and says, and reproach that people are making fun of them. They're in great distress and reproach. And it says the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates are burned with fire. Now get this. These are the people of God. And they're in great distress. And they're the reproach of all their enemies around them. But more than that, the holy city, Jerusalem, its walls are down. And the walls were so important because that was a picture of security and protection. The only way a city had protection was its walls. He said, but the walls are down. And the gates are burned with fire. Now, if it had been you and I, we'd say, boy, that's bad. I look at America and I look at the perilous times, the lovers of money, lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, lovers of, and I say, you know, we say, boy, that's bad. Boy, somebody needs to do something about it. I mean, we just, it just can't keep going on the way it's going. I mean, somebody's got to do something. And I, and you, I could hear in there, my, my, I say, well, boy, I hate those walls are down. And I hate the gates are burned. And I hate God's people are a reproach. And they're in distress. I hate that. But no, no, that's not what he did. I'm going to tell you what he did. He began to seek the face of God. 
like I've not seen anywhere else. And, and, and you begin reading, it says, so in verse 4, don't miss this. This just stirs my heart. My God, why can't I be this? Why can't I live here? Why isn't this my testimony? Why isn't it yours? Listen to what it says. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. As soon as he heard that, I can imagine, he, he just sat down and began to weep and say, God, these are your people, and this is your city. And they're reproach. They're in distress. And he didn't spend five minutes sitting down and weeping and mourning. He said, I sat down and wept for many days. For many days. He said, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. And was fasting and praying before the Lord God of heaven. And he began to cry out to God. He said in verse 5, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. He's beginning to remind God of a promise. He's fixing to remind God of a promise he made to these people. Please let your ear be attentive Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. God, would you please listen to me? Just please listen to me, Lord. Day and night, please listen to your servant, which I pray before you day and night. He said, I'm praying day and night, Lord, for the children of Israel, your servants, and I confess the sins of the children of Israel. He says, Lord, we've sinned against you. I know that. He confessed the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Yet you, both my father's house and I have sinned. He says, oh God, I know why the walls are down. I know why the gates are burned. I know why we're reproaching and distressed. Because we've sinned against you, almighty God. And my, my household's guilty of sinning too. He says, we have indeed acted very corruptly against you and against your statutes which you gave to your servant Moses. But then he says, but God, you, you promised that if we would repent and, and turn back to you, that you'd restore us. Listen to what he says. Remember, I pray the word that you, you commanded your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments, he said, and do them, uh, uh, some of them that were commanded to you, he said, I will, I will gather you from the ends of the earth and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling place. And he says, now these are your servants, Lord, and your people, which you've redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. Oh, Lord, I pray you be attentive to the, uh, to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants. This is what he's saying. God, we ain't got, we got, got no hope. We have no hope. But God, you, you, you said to Moses that if we'd turn back to you, now we've, we've been wicked, but if we'd turn back to you, that you would hear and that you'd restore us and God, you'd redeem us. And once again, the distress and reproach would be gone. He said, God, please, Lord, you, you made a promise. Now, Lord, give me favor. Well, I'm going to quickly tell you the rest of the story. He went before the king. And the king said, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? 
He said, why should not I not be sad when God's people, my people, are in Jerusalem and the gates, the walls are down and the gates are burned and they're reproaching distress. Their enemies are laughing in their face. God, why, what, to the king, why shouldn't I be concerned? And the king said, well, what do you want? He said, I want you to let me go and I want to go back. And I want to go to Jerusalem and I want you to give me a letter. And I'm going to stop by and visit some kings and some people on the way. And he said, I'm going to go back and we're going to build the walls again. One man. One man. It was an impossible situation. But man, he went and he got the letter from the king. He made friends along the way. Went back rallied the people, rallied the people, gave them hope and gave them encouragement. And they said, well, okay, let's, let's, let's rebuild the wall. Let's rebuild the wall. And I'm telling you, praise God, they went to work. And in chapter 6, verse 15, I want you to listen to what happened. They were, the walls were down, the gates were burned. They were in distress and reproach. It was a perilous time. It was an impossible time. But here was a man who believed that God was, God was the God of all flesh and nothing was too hard for God. And so it says over there in chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. I love this. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of UL in 52 days. Can I make a statement? In 52 days, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and put the gates up. <laughs> that is exactly right. Because a man believed God and cried out to God, and the people said, we, we believe God can do it. And let me tell you something. They not only rebuilt the wall and finished the gates, but then they got the Bible out. Praise God. See, they weren't reading the Bible. They got the Bible out, and they began to read the Word of God and had a revival. I want you to listen to this. In, in chapter 8, man, I, I get excited about this. And, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. <laughs> now, here's that crowd that was in distress and reproach, living in ruins. Then all the people answered amen and amen while they lifted up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord God with their faces to the ground. And they talked about how awesome and great God was. Listen, in a time of peril where everybody else had given up hope, here was a man who believed God and he believed God and he cried out to God and he sought God's face and God took a nation from the ruins and put it on its feet and they had a future and a hope. There's more than one person in this room today. And I'm telling you, it's time to seek God's face. If we don't seek God's face, who will? If we don't cry out to God, Lord, look at this. These are perilous times, Lord. It is a hopeless situation, humanly. But I want to say to you, it is not hopeless as far as God is concerned. It is not hopeless as far as God is concerned. If I believed that, I'd put my Bible up and I wouldn't preach again. But it will not happen if we continue the way we're going. We have got to seek God's face. He is our only He's our only hope. Well, 
I close with this. Let me tell you how we're going to do it at Luke 4.18. I want to challenge you personally to start seeking God's face. You get alone with God. And you get an open Bible. And you ask God to give you a heart of faith. Now, now stay with me. You just get alone with God. With an open Bible. Ask God to give you a heart of faith. And ask the Holy Spirit to anoint you to pray. I'm talking to everybody in this room. Even in your personal situation, your walls are down. <laughs> You're in distress and reproach and your gates are burned. Personally, I mean, you need, to, you need to seek God's face in your own life. Your life's in a shamble. Well, go after God with your whole heart. You, you, you say, well, no, somebody else is going to fix it. Uh-uh, only God can fix it. Are you listening to me? Personally, get an open Bible. Ask God to give you a heart of faith. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, and you start seeking God's face. And he'll lead you how to pray for individuals and for this nation. Well, this is what Luke 4.18 is going to do. Now, I want to know that I I realize that not everybody can be a part of this. Some of you can, some of you can't. But all I don't know is this is what God told me that I'm to do as your pastor. We're setting aside Thursday. Every Thursday is a day of prayer. So at 6 o'clock a.m. on Thursday morning in the choir room on Schillinger's Road, I'll be there to pray with anybody and all we're going to do is pray we're not going to talk about prayer we're not going to come in there and make prayer requests we're going to come in there and get on our faces and just pray we're going to seek we're going to seek God's face 6 o'clock every Thursday morning you say brother Fred you'll be there 80% of of the time I'll be there the only reason I wouldn't be was something I couldn't get out of But at the same time, we're going to do it at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. 7 o'clock on Thursday night, choir room. We'll be there praying. And all we're going to do is seek God's face. Thursday's the day of prayer. And we're seeking God's face. Because I'm going to tell you, there's no hope unless God intervenes. No hope for you personally. Then the next thing we're going to do is this. Every Sunday morning, beginning the first Sunday in May, and this begins the first Thursday in May, We're going to have, when this service is going on, there are going to be people over there in the room praying. It's called the Pastor's Prayer Support Team. One Sunday, there'll be five people over in that room praying while this service is going on. Five men. Then the next Sunday, there'll be five women. And so every service, there's going to be some people praying over there for everybody that's in here. And you know, if God leads you, and you don't have to be a you may not even feel comfortable praying out loud. But if God leads you and you've got a burden to seek God's faith, I mean, be a part of this pastor's prayer support team. You probably do it once every three months. once every, But just be a part of it. And just be over there crying out for, to God while we're meeting here. So Thursday is a day of prayer. We have the pastor's prayer support team. We're going to ask all our prayer warriors and warriors on the wall to get serious about it and to be sure that you are crying out to God. But let me just tell you something. Thursday is our day of prayer. Wherever you are, you can just set a little time aside at lunch. You can set some time aside early or late. And you can just be praying at home. Or you can decide to get a group of people to come to your house and pray. But now, folks, listen to me. I'm telling you right now. Insanity is to keep on doing what you've always done and expect different results. Right? This country's getting worse instead of better. 
Instead of the church changing society, society's changing the church. It's time for God's people to seek the face of God. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And I'm going to tell you, God's going to answer. He'll answer. He'll show up. They, they said to Nehemiah, you're a fool. You'll never get those walls built. I guess he had the last word, didn't he? Well, you know, they were at Luke 4.18. They're praying for revival and praying for God to change society. They're a bunch of idiots. Well, praise God. I don't mind that because I know one thing. The God we're going to cry out to is the God that's going to answer. And he will answer and we will see his glory in our midst. You've got to decide, well, I'm going to be a part of it. Personally, corporately, on my own, I'm going to be one of the men and women Seek God's face. I'm going to be one. I'm asking you to. I am. I want God to take us to another level spiritually. I repent of complacency. Repent of apathy. Repent of lukewarmness. Repent of lack of burden and brokenness over the nation. But I repent. But I say one thing. Praise God. Repent means to change your mind and to go in another direction. And praise God, we are going in another direction. We're going to pray till God comes and visits us. Hallelujah and amen.